0: just the way it should be. Rabbi, We have the green light? Green light, go ahead, green you're, on, you're on
1: the air. All right. For right, a man who needs no introductions, <laughs> for a man who needs no introductions, I would like to introduce you all to Rabbi Doctor, no Rabbi, ra- no rabbi yet, Michal Klein. Uh, first of all, I wishing you all a good chedesh. Welcome, we're so happy that you guys will made it here tonight. And we decided that the month of Adar is very special. And, and I have to share with you a very special vart. We know that there's a concept of in Halakha. Now, not to go into a whole study of Halakha, but the Rebbe once told uh, somebody that when we really experience simcha every single day of Adar, which this year is 60 days, all other Inyanim throughout the year becomes then if you think about it, it's really special. So we should really exper- We should really exercise every single day of this month with true simcha, simcha betah arasa, and simcha which is bleak bull. We should go out of our limitations just in the middle of the living room. Start dancing because that's what it does and that's what the river wants from us. The Rebbe wants from us to be happy. We should sing the good And that's why we have Dr. Uh, Twine, uh, Dr. Michal Twine here this evening will share with us the real, the real uh, in-depth meaning of what what is an a and of course, what is within uh, a, a Nigin Simcha. So by all means, uh, Dr. Klein, thank you very much for uh, coming here tonight, and thank you all for joining us. Chaydush. Chaydush, thank you so much. So for those watching at home,
0: we started off with a Nigin that is kind of like one of the famous for Adar and for Purim, I think it's apropos that it is now officially Adar, it was a two-day Rosh Chodesh, today was the last day of Shvat. today is the first day of Adarishon, it's day number one of the first month, and this song is called by Achash Beresh. and uh, initially, actually, a little thing about this Negin, the most Negunim don't have words, we're going to talk about yeah, that, that later that most them are wordless, uh, happens to be that this Nigin initially also didn't have words. And what it was meant to do is it was meant to tell a story. Like a lot of niggun do, they tell a story or they express a certain state of mind. Uh, with Nagunim, it's never uh, just like a normal song. Every, every note, every rhythm, every tenua of a Nigin tells a story and says something and has immense importance. And that's why uh, music has such a, a primary part in Chabad and in Hasidic Judaism in general. So this um, this nigid, it was what it was meant to do is it was actually meant to uh, tell the story of like a pill pole, like uh, you know we had learning tonight of two Jews that are learning together. I'm <timidly> doing nine like, nine yeah, nine nine the other guy says something to him. Oh, but I
1: nine 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 nine
0: nine nine. going back and forth, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. now it's smooth. deathly ill. Um, So uh, the doctors, they don't really give a good prognosis. The doctors say that unfortunately it doesn't look very good. It doesn't look like the boy has a lot longer to live. But this chassid, you know, he's he, for him, he doesn't just go based off of the doctor's prognosis. He's a chassid of a rebbe. So he says, I have to go to my rebbe. I have to go and I have to get a bracha from the rebbe. And the rebbe's going to give me a bracha and my son's going to get better. That's it. Simple faith. So he goes, he travels, it's a very long way. To go itself was with self-sacrifice, with Masiris Nefesh. Why? Because for all he knows, the doctor basically gave the prognosis a very short amount of time. He could go, and by the time, God forbid, he gets to the Rebbe, unfortunately, the the unthinkable could happen. But he decides to go, That this is his only hope. He goes and he goes to his Rebbe. And it happens to be it's a very, very auspicious time. What time is it? It's the very end of all of the holidays in Tishrei. We you know, in Tishrei we have Rosh Hashanah, then we have Yom Kippur, followed by Gatsun then we have Sukkot, and then we have all the days of Sukkot, and we have Hashanah Rabbah, and then we have Shemiyat Saris, and then some Kostera. And it happens to be he's going to go, not just to go, stomp and come back, he's leaving, he's going to get there on Arab Shemiyat Saris. He's going to get there, and he's going to have to stay there for a two-day yontan. And then, do the travel to come back. So he obviously goes with a heavy mind, but with a clear heart that his Rebbe's going to give the bracha. He goes, he gets to his Rebbe, and he prepares himself to ask the Rebbe for a bracha for his son. He goes in, he asks the Rebbe, please Rebbe, you know, he gives the Rebbe the kvittal, the letter, and he says, please Rebbe, mention me that my son should get better, he's deathly ill, and the doctor's give his prognosis, and it's really not looking good. And the Rebbe, he puts his Hands to his head, and he's thinking, and he's dominating, he's in deep to Vegas and it looks like he's really, really dominating to the Ibis shirt. And then he opens his eyes, and he looks at the and and says, I'm so sorry, but there's nothing that can be done. Wow. Yeah. So this guy went there thinking, Oh, my rabbit's going to give me a bracha, my son's going to be great. He left his family, he left his son, and now literally it all came crashing down. The one hope he had was that. The Rebbe was going to give a bracha, he's selling get better. So he's completely and utterly heartbroken.
1: And also,
0: now he's stuck there for Shemini Saras, and Saracen, which is like the last thing he wants to be doing is sitting in a shoal. The last thing he wants to be doing is sitting in a shoal for, uh, you know, for, for a office. So he, he drags his feet to the shoal and he finds the smallest little bench he can far away from everybody of the shul, everyone's bringing out the mashka, the herring, the pickles, all the good stuff. They didn't have bamba back then, so, you know, maybe they had something like that. All those, and he, they're all getting ready, they're all, like, singing, they're dancing, and this this guy, his mom is broken, heartbroken, he can't even cry. He's sitting there, and what happens? Everyone starts, you
1: know, they're
0: like, in his mind, he's not thinking... He's not thinking the, the Nusach for HaKavos, he's thinking the Nusach for Eicha. like he's really depressed, like, you know. And all of a sudden, this one guy, he says,
1: in come on, let's dance, let's dance, it.
0: and he's like, oh my gosh, he like, he's so, he can't even move, he's so depressed. The guy says, come on, he pulls in his arms, like, it's a little tired, what are you gonna do? And then, he can't, he's like, yeah, take some of this. So he takes some lachayim. he takes a little bit of L'chaim, l'chaim. And um, what ends up happening is, little by little, he starts to, you know, move around like this, because peer pressure makes people do lots of crazy things, right? So even though he's like, L'chaim, L'chaim. Oh, L'chaim, L'chaim. Mm. oh, that's good stuff. So peer pressure makes people do crazy things, even when he's so depressed that his son is going to, L'chaim, And they're able to give the bracha. So he's dancing a little bit, says a little more, lachaim, like he's dancing even more. Suddenly, this guy, he finds himself dancing and singing, like he's never sang in his whole life. He's His he's crying, and he's laughing, and he's experiencing heartbreak and simcha, and he's just dancing till he can't feel his feet anymore. And like everyone is like, you, he was the guy that everybody. Was trying to schlep out, and now he's the one that everyone's like, Man, this guy is out dancing me. This guy is like out singing me. This guy is like the cra- craziest. He's singing and dancing and Zeylachayim, and then he passes out right in the shoal. So he wakes up, and he has Shminyat Saris and Svetlana Tyra, and then he leaves, and he goes home expecting the worst. So he comes home, and he sees there's light in the house, and there's laughter, and he's like, What is going on here? And he sees the door open, and his son runs out, Tati! And he runs up to it. and he's like, he starts crying, he can't believe what's happening. He picks up his son, gives him a gigantic hug. His son is, not only is his son not dead, God forbid, his son is thriving, alive. His son is full of so much life. So what does he do? He decides to go back to the Rebbe, to show us a car. So i tell you, about, obviously the Rebbe was able to finagle some sort of bracha, right? Obviously the Rebbe was able to do something. Otherwise his son would, God forbid. So he he goes there, he brings his son, he brings his son to the Rebbe, the the son sits on the Rebbe's lap, he gives him a bracha, he all these things. And um, then he says, I just want to show the Rebbe what the Rebbe's bracha did. Thank you so much. And he's like, what are you talking about my bracha? It wasn't my bracha. I saw in Shemaiah when I was diving that there was a gazera that I could not undo. I could not break through the (coughs) gazera. On that simcha's Torah, when you, against all odds, sang these negonim and danced and sang with such simcha, you broke through what I could not even break through. You broke through the gezera, the decree that your son was going to die, and it's because of you and your simcha that your son lived. So, I mean, how does that happen? How does it happen that a simple Jew with simcha and a niggin and dancing, how could it be that a simple Jew could break through? What, a tzaddik, a Rebbe, couldn't even break through? How could it be? Simple people, but doing extraordinary things. You know, we find ourselves in a very special time. We find ourselves in the month of Adar. And one of the things that we draw from Adar is the simcha of the miracle that occurred on Purah, when we were saved. So, the question you have to ask yourself is, what is so great about this thing Simcha? And what is so great about Nagunim and music and Simcha that allows us to be able to to break through all boundaries and bring bracha and redemption and miracles into our life? And for that, we're going to have to sing an eight to get to it.
1: We are Side, you know the color So the Tzadik
0: and Kala, the color right he was walking through the forest one day in Ukraine. And he hears the shepherd singing a song about a girl named Rose. Right. And he's saying, you know, Rose, Rose. Basically saying, you know, like um, I miss you and the forest is so big. And the colour side like, is this to really Ukrainian. You know, basically what the Ukrainian shepherd was singing is, this forest is so big. And my love is so far away. If the forest wasn't so big, my love would be close to me. Okay, it's nice. But what the what the did, he do, heard it and he perceived in it the Nitzoteloki. He perceived the godly soul, the godly spark. And what he did is he took the words and he replaced forest with gallus and he replaced Rose with Shikina. And what he got was this. I don't remember the song. I mean I, I could fudge the song out, I don't really know so Okay. okay, so godless, I mean it's something like that. It sounds very Jewish, right? So godless Gollis be grow with mean, Let me replace godless with forest. Godless, we grow be graceful. Godless, how big are you? Shechina Kenoshev, we invite this to. Uh, Holy Shechina, which is Hashem's presence. Holy Shechina, how far away are you? When their gullus will clear gavar, when the gullus become small, Holy Shechina, nepe, gavar, the Shechina will be closer to me. And what happened when he did this song, what were the Kaul of He said, I have purified the niggin and returned it to its holy source. In Chabad itself we see this. In Chabad, what do we see? We see that the altered evidence with Napoleon's march. The altered evidence opposed Napoleon. Why? You know, just a little history lesson. We had Napoleon versus the Tsar. Now, life under Napoleon would have been pretty good for the Jews, physically. Spiritually, it would have been a disaster. It's the exact exact opposite of the Tsar. Under the Tsar, physically, it would have been a disaster. We would have been oppressed. We would have been pushed into a, a ghetto. Right? But spiritually it wouldn't be that bad because you would know that a Jew would know I'm a Jew. Under Napoleon, Napoleon stood for the ideals of the French Revolution, and under that there's equality and everything is uh, casting off the shackles of oppressive monarchy. That was the whole point of the French Revolution,
1: and that's what Napoleon stood for. So the Malte Rebbe, he opposed
0: Napoleon, even though life physically would have been good under the Jews. Why? Because he knew that the soul of the Jew would be lost. Because they would cast off the monarchy. And so he opposed Napoleon. So then answer me this. Why is it on Yom Kippur in a lot of Chabad houses and a lot of Chabad shuls? After niki the holiest moment of the whole year, we see Napoleon's march? Because the alternative took it back from Napoleon. Napoleon's march had a mitzvah it had a godly spark in it, but it was hidden. And what the alternative did is, he took that spark and he took it back and he reclaimed it. And instead of it being the song that represented Napoleon, who represented the antithesis of Yiddishkeit, he took it and he used Mahap- he, he Mahapagin to Kedusha. And what did Napoleon's march represent?
1: It represented not the casting off of the monarchy, but the marching, of the, but placing on the monarchy of the Ebrister,
0: crowning the Ebrister as well, which is what we ultimately do. It culminates at the end of Yom Kippur. also did this with La Marseille. La Marseille is the French national anthem. The French National Anthem, um, I mean, before I came to Kabat, I kind of somewhat knew that. I was like, the French National Anthem. I knew it more famously as being part of Love is All You Need from the Beatles. That's what I really knew it for. Um, but the Marseille was the National Anthem of France. And so it represented the culmination of the French Revolution and everything that came out of it. So the red took La Marseille and he reclaimed it to the Hader Swamuna, he took it and he, he brought it to Kedusha. And so what we see is that um, what the Rebbe did, what the Alt Rebbe did, by right, taking these two melodies, turning them into the gudum, is that they were able to take it and not just turn it into holiness, but turn it into like super powerful holiness because it was
1: not side of holiness. So when it came over, it like switched the mechanism
0: and made it that it wasn't just kind of holy. It was like super duper holy. So. Let's sing these songs. Let's sing these Naguna, not songs, Naguna, of Napoleon's March. (laughs) and analyzed Samnagunu and I was able to see through a bracha of the Eivishter how this idea of musical tikkun actually happens on like a compositional level meaning that a niggin that we know, a niggin actually Rabbi Levin loves his Nikin. I chose it because I know Rabbi Levin loves his niggin. Oh. He, he asks me to sing it a lot and I know he's gonna find really a schmuck that we're about to do this In my dissertation, I took a pretty well-known diggin that there's a story behind it. The story goes as follows. First of all, the story is like this. There was once a chassid named Asher Grossman from the city of Nikolaev. Nikolaev was a very well-known musical town. And uh, Asher Grossman, he went to a wedding in Kiev and he he heard this waltz in Kiev and he automatically perceived that it had the, it had the potential to become a nigin So he brought it to his friend, Rev. Art Haritanov. And for those of you that don't know, the last name Haritanov, the Haritanov family, specifically the Haritanov brothers, were prolific composers of the They were from Nikolaev, and a lot of the gunnum that we sing, the Negeen the the Beneni, uh, the minor nigin uh, a lot of other Nagunim, uh, these Nagunim are written by the Haritanov brothers. And Arun Haritanov was the most prolific of them all, uh, of the three brothers. And he actually went, he studied music at the university, believe it or not. He studied music. I don't remember where, where, the, where the university was, but um, either way, so... Uh, You're just in time. So... Avi Grossman brings this waltz to Aaron Haritano, and he says, "I really think in this waltz that this could be a niggun." So Aaron Haritano he takes the niggin and he he composes it. But a niggun composer and then a classical
1: music composer.
0: A classical music composer he sits down and he uh, he has his piano and he has his whole thing and he figures out what to do with it. When you compose a niggun, when a chassid when a composes a nigin, it's the same as a voidah. You daven with a niggun, you forbid with a niggun, you walk with a nigin. This isn't composition in the sense that Beethoven would compose. You
1: know, ba-ba-bum, ba-ba-bum.
0: It's, one of, it's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the composition of a niggun and chassidic a and davening and learning and all these things. It's one and the same. The niggun is experienced through Jewish life. It's experienced through a so Art Karitana takes this waltz and he turns it into a niggin. and he brings it back and he teaches it to Rabbi Asher Grossman. Grosman Asher Grossman goes to the frigirah, goes to, to the Rebbe Rishab, the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe, and he sings this niggin. And um, the Rebbe Rishab says to Asher Grossman, uh, I may be paraphrasing. He says, "I can hear in this niggin, um the uh, avodah, or like I can hear like the the avodah of a of a Jew. I can I can hear." I can hear Avoda written. It basically, he says I can hear the Avoda written into like every Tenua of this niggun. I can I can experience it. I can hear it. Rabasha brings that back to Arafaritanu, and Arafaritanu says the Rabbit knows how much I worked with this niggun and how much I like how much I poured into this niggun. So what did I do with this niggun? I had such a great bracha that I I don't even remember how it happened, but Rabbi Simon Jacobson. Uh, who's the well-known rabbi who does my life applied chassidist rabbi simon jacobson his father-in-law blessed memory was Svi hirsch gonsberg who was a abominated by the Rebbe. Svi hirsch gonsberg happened to have heard not the nikki but the original waltz the waltz before it became a niggin. so it happened to be that he taught it to, sing, to Rabbi Simmon Jacobson. So Rabbi Simon Jacobson knew not only the niggin, but also the waltz before it became the niggin. Oh. So me, as a music theory geek, I'm like, I've got to hear this waltz. So I call Rabbi Simmon Jacobson and he sings it to me a bunch of times, like over and over and over again. And I transcribe it and I write it down and I analyze it. I like pick it apart. Then I analyze Rabbi Shug Rosman's niggin. And I picked it apart. And I compared them side by side. And I actually could see in front of me, like, almost like a petri dish. You could see, like, organisms sprouting. I could see how the walls became a ligand. And I could see the Hasidic compositional process of how, I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's really cool. I mean, like, it's, it's really, like, who gets to do this? It's, like, wow. amazing. It's such a brahman. I'm so blessed. But I'm going to teach it to you. I'm going to show you the walls. I've never done this before. So we'll see. i wanted to, so thank you, Ritzisha. Thank you. Um, I'm going to sing you the waltz, and you're going to hear the waltz. Then I'm going to sing the niggun, and in the very abbreviated version, I'm just going to kind of get the cliff notes of how it happened. you want to say, "L'chaim!" L'chaim! <laughs> and especially to especially to the Chasidim, to the
1: people in to be blessed
0: for them. All good guys from Sukkot.
1: L'chaim!
0: L'chaim! <Amen>. <laughs> l'chaim! L'chaim! <laughs> l'chaim! L'chaim! <laughs> l'chaim! 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 adds in joy as well, and adds in all things that we should have, that we should be joyous from. I also wanted to point out that there's soup in the next room over there, down the hall, and I want to have some soup, it's really great soup. Hi So, I will say, Zisha told me that he wanted me to focus on Simcha Nikodim, and I did, for the most part. This Nikan is not a Nikan Simcha. This Nikan is a Nikan Demekus. And Devekis is the idea of clinging to the Emisser. What it could lead to simcha, yeah. Uh, actually, you see that the the niggin to prepare for the yichudas was a. De, it's like a niggin of Devekis and concentration. But the niggin after the is a simcha niggin. So tvekis and simcha are intimately bound up. That Devekis does there's there's definitely this idea that Devekis does lead to simcha. The Vegas. What is the Vegas? The Vegas is the idea of you shed your ego, you shed the self, you temporarily lose uh, an awareness of your your yesh, of your ego, and you attach to something bigger and greater than yourself. I always think of it as like the drop becoming bottle and becoming nullified and dovek to the, the bowl of water, or like the spark becoming bubble to the fire. That's what the Vegas is to me. It's when your mind is open forget all your problems, and you forget yourself, and you focus on the glory and beauty of the spirit. And it's, you know, all of us, in some way, shape, or form, you know, we think of, oh, this great chassid, we experience it. If we've ever, you know, we can experience it. And so there's two types of nagunum. A nagunum that comes from the state of the Vegas There's some nagunum from the tzama chassadak that are like that, from the Alter A nagunum that comes from the state of the Vegas It's a musical expression of this conscious, this conscious state. And then a niggin that helps bring one to a state of the Vegas So it's a niggin that, like a tool, that helps you build what you need to build. It helps you build the Vegas It helps you shed yourself. It helps you uh, reach towards the Vegas and get to it. This niggin is that niggin. The niggin of our imposter and Goliath is uh, that type of niggin to vagus, the one that brings you to a state of the Vegas So I'm gonna play the original waltz. And for those of you that know the niggin, you might hear little bits of the tenua in it's okay
1: On camera, you know? Numero
0: okay. So, for those of you that, even if you haven't heard the thing before, you heard the waltz, you heard the thing, you have what to compare. So, first of all, um, that's the beginning of the waltz. What did Arnold do? He took that. Which means oct like octopus or octagon is eight. One two
1: three four five six seven eight. It has eight notes between it.
0: That's an A. And that's an A. What is an, an octave higher? That's a pretty big jump. That's a very big jump. Aye aye. Now, what the pre-gravity says in the course de the, the morning is he says that in Hasidic music, the height of a note, the height of a pitch, signifies spiritual height. What is spiritual height? Spiritual height means height of spiritual awareness, height of spiritual feeling. When you're at a and it's like the fourth hour of the forbringan, and you have a high end, and you're sitting in a good in, and the guy is like, just bearing his soul, you his stories, and, it. and it's just When you are you feel like you're in another world, you're in another place. The fourth hour of the forbringan, the fifth hour of the forbringan, the sixth hour of the forbringan, you're not in this world. That's spiritual height. Uh, yeah, so the higher you go, the more higher you are. You're dominating your SRA. You happen to be in a good mood, so you've had a good dopamine. You're the presented before. you so
1: You're in a good mood. You're, you're still,
0: the sugar high hasn't worn off. Right? you have done it. So, the thing is, you don't want to blow it. You know, you don't have to go right from the beginning, right? Because I would just ruin the whole thing Then what do you have to look forward to? So, what did Rick Arnold do? He took that part of the waltz. Just your sauce with that fish. You know, you want like all the good, all the designs make the steak really geschmack. So with a nigga, how do we flavor it with a little fish here, a little cracks there, a Zexental like, ha! I think like you wouldn't, if I were to write that down and notate it, I would be kind of like, it would be a little like nebushi so like write like every tiny little note. It's part of the risophone, it's like the ornaments, it's it's the spice of the nigga, right? So he does and she's very part and very sterile, right? It's very sterile. It's like not at all acidic. So that's one thing. And then So that gets
1: turned into depth. That
0: depth, you know, there's different flavors in music. Different scales, different modes. We have this one.
1: It's
0: like a D minor. It's like a general, you know, nice, uh, nice Jewish scale that you have. Which is very hopeful. It's a very hopeful feeling, but then it's very bitter. It's very like, ah, what am I doing with my life? What he's doing with it is he's turning it into uh,
1: a toll, the
0: vehicle with which to ex- experience these these emotions of spiritual yearning and bitterness over how I could be so much more than what I am. And you experience that in the music. And the music does that
1: to you. The music makes you feel that. And that's how you notice it's like a I nickname mean, is it's a it's a
0: different thing. You know, it's like Lahabdil of Elf of Dallas. Um in Quran recitation, I learned this in school, so I'll <clears throat> it, right? In Quran rec- <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah. I'm not In Quran recitation, <laughs> if you speak to um, a Muslim, they don't consider Quran Quranic recitation music. Like do we consider trope music?
1: No, you just you say the Torah that way, right? <laughs> I have tell no. I would say the same thing about a nigga. A Niggin
0: is not really music. It's not. Because music, you like I mean like music you dance. I mean it's music it's like uh, this is beyond music. It's beyond music, I think. Right? And Niggin is so much more than that. Because a niggin, it's it's a storytelling. It's 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 a language. It's it's a lot more than that. So um, that we can see how the process of musical teacher. Because it translates this idea of the walls into a niggin. So I want to finish off with the niggan from our Rebbe, Unzer and this niggan has a uh, somehow if I say Unzer I feel like we're not because it's Yiddish, yeah, right? So I'm like Unzer our Rebbe. So Chaim, 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 Rebbe. So the
1: niggan after Donar Tana.
0: It's one of my favorite components. In Chabad, one of my favorite that they're taught, Alta the the totally tells an amazing story. What's the story that Alta Ba tells? tells? There says it. He says it's the story of the Tzadik and the Matshuba. So Bitsadik never did the mirror. Tsadik never sinned. But is about it's perfect, it's smooth, it's glad. He doesn't have taivas. He doesn't have to str- I mean he struggles, but not in the kind of way that we struggle. You know, he struggles like sonic struggles, like, you know, whatever that means. He, he deals with spiritual things. He doesn't have to deal with the physical. He's not he's not connected to the physical. He's not drawn to the physical. It is very straightforward. There are no problems. I don't have to deal with any issues like Allah I don't have to do what anything think is, I'm a
1: Tzahad,
0: right? You now. that's basically what Tzahad is like. The Baal Shuba, what's the Baal He's like the exact opposite. The Baal Shuba, he's
1: constantly going up and down. He's like, you know, he's like a roller coaster. Bokken, 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 bokken. And what you're saying about this is... I cut off the head. <laughs> <laughs> <appreciate laughs> <almost laughs> <almost always laughs>